to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks uh, Rookie Watch podcast, where we will be today getting into our first uh, rookies and our second year players. Uh, we'll be readdressing uh, Zach Charbonnet and Anthony Bradford's draft positions and potentially discussing some other options we could have gone with at those positions. Uh, and we'll be getting into our rookies' um, output in the uh, in the recent game. Uh, a close, close fought thing that I feel like we let them hang around in that game um, longer than we should have done, but uh, we'll pick the bones out of it. So joined tonight by my co-host James. James, how are you doing, pal? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, like I say, another another win. Finally, back on the back on the winning trail. Um, another another week of interesting uh, performances and 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 sort of stories about our rookies and talking points. Um, like I say, another another very um, nail biting win as we as we only do nail biting wins. But um, anyway, we're back in the win column, and that that's all that matters. Yeah, it feels like an important one as well with the games we've got coming up. Um, we certainly would have chalked it up as one that we really needed to win. And um, I think if you even if you just look at it hypothetically, like if, if perhaps we get a win against the Rams and then lose those really four those four really difficult ones, we still end up what seven and seven and seven with yep. three three easier games potentially to finish off the season um, and a playoff run. So you know, we've put ourselves in that position where we can have a miserable month and still be set to go. So it almost feels like we've got a few free swings at, at the 49ers and um, that feels great to me. I mean, maybe, that, do you think that's a negative take? Or do you think that's, what do you no. think? No, I, 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 um, I think it's a, it, it's, it's a massive stretch coming up, isn't it? It's, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna make or break our season. Um, so no, I don't. I, I don't think it's a negative take. I, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. To be honest, I, I think it's it's a massive stretch, and um, and we need to hit form coming into it. Um, so no, I, I agree. Yeah, cool. And then of course, there's there's three last games that I referred to as easier. I don't think any game in the NFL is easy because every no. player has earned the right to be there, and the coaches all relatively know what they're doing. Um, but um, the Titans. The Cardinals and who is the other game in it? The Steelers. Steelers. Those games all all look, um, you know, relatively winnable. So 
looking forward to that. So, um, our rookies in the recent game against the Commanders, what did you think of? And this is, I'm going to start with um, with Witherspoon because he seems to be the name on everyone's lips at the moment, and I felt like he had. Um, he had almost had a bad game by his own standards, but still had lots of good moments in it. How, yeah. how did you how did you feel? Has he set a high bar for himself? Is that what I'm feeling here? Oh, he's set an incredibly high bar for myself. This is what I'm now calling like the Tariq Bullen effect. With with, with Tariq Bullen's rookie season, we now expect Tariq to be having headline players every week and and holding him to a standard that's 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 unaccountable. Um, with a spoon, if you were to actually go and look at like his the the sort of the, the wide receiver passing rate and allowed from quarterback to receiver from it's probably 20 30 something ridiculous like that mm. um i can't remember a mclaurin or anyone like that getting a big catch on him um and and obviously yeah, he's got he's... that fumble as well doesn't he forced that fumble so excellent yeah his qb rating's really good and it's even his weirdly his qb rating is higher in single coverage than it is when he's assisted by a safety, which is funny. But I think that's partially because the flea flicker that caught him out is a bit of a stain on his on his stats and it, it ramps all yeah. his numbers up. And at, at that point, he wasn't the only person in in that area uh, when it was thrown. I think there was a safety in that area as well, and they, they don't call that uh, single coverage. So his single coverage QBR rating this year is 30. He's targeted with 13 passes. Two of them are complete for 39 QBR rating, which is nuts. That's I mean. when, when you think that that one flea flicker is still the only negative really thing that's happened in his rookie season, like and, and that wasn't entirely yeah. his fault like it's it's mental it's absolutely mental so yeah um he, he just continues to to blow us all away even in his quieter weeks he's still just you know just because you're not hearing his name called doesn't mean he's doing yeah it. and it, and it's frightening isn't it how how quick he's learning. I feel like he's learning from everything in real time. Yeah. Some some players take a few years to really sort of get comfortable at the NFL level. He's he's just ducked to water with it. And this is his first year in the NFL. He could be 10 years in the NFL, hopefully all of them with, with the Seahawks. But he could be with us for 10 years, improving every year, which is a phenomenal thing to think about. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm super happy with his, with his um, output in that game. But... I almost feel cheated if I don't see him nailing a quarterback or taking an interception to the house or do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just want to see him jacked up and 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 you know screaming and shouting and celebrating something every game. Um, but that maybe that's his personality. Maybe we're all just um, you know living in his world at the moment and and wanting to see fireworks on on the defense coming from his corner of the field uh, all the time. So uh, next one we're going to talk about. Um, actually, is there one that you want to speak about? Because Witherspoon was my choice. To, to um, I mean, I'm happy to talk about anything. I think, obviously, I, I, I think Zach Charbonnet's performance has gone a little bit yeah. unnoticed in terms of, yes, he's only had six carries, but when you look at his average per carry at 7.3, 44 yards, um, had a couple of receptions, four receptions as well for 18 yards. So, you know, that's 10 total involvements in the game, if you want to put it like that. Um, they're steadily increasing his workload. He's steadily looking more like a back who is fully capable of sort of being handed the reins if we need him to, um, mm-hmm. which is what we've said all season. He's just going to continue to improve towards the latter end of the season. Um, and, and like I say, I, I just love the way he was running. His, his, you can see his vision and his IQ is starting to improve. His confidence behind his runs is starting to improve. So I think he's really, he's really starting to come along. And the other one's JSN, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, JSN had a, had a particularly good game for me. Um, just before we move on to JSN, just my two piece on, on Charbonnet there, mm. there seems to be a bit more decisiveness about, about, about what he's doing and there's a bit of sort of... Um, a bit more sort of directness and purpose, and he, he kind of—it's almost like he's found his—he he understands his role, and and he just makes sure that he, um, he either you know he just if he is going to get tackled, he leaves something on his man. And um, we've seen a lot of running backs at the you know with the Seahawks doing that over the years, so he's very much in, incorporating that into his game. I don't think that's something they would ask of Ken, but I have seen Ken do uh, drop the shoulder on people a few times recently, oh, yeah. so maybe maybe that's the Charbonnet effect rubbing off. On on the subject of JSN, I think you're absolutely right to mention him. Um, I think it's the it's the earliest we've seen the ball put in his hands after the snap uh, in any game this year. We've seen we've seen Gino trying to throw the ball to him at the end of his routes quite a lot. We've seen some some horrific mistakes come from that as well with some badly timed interceptions. Um, we seem to be trusting a little bit more in JSN. I think Gino's trusting in him a little bit. He knows mm. he knows a three yard, four yard pass to, to JSN can easily turn into a fifteen yard uh, run with the, with the skill he's got. And I think we yeah. saw a lot of yak um, snapped up by by JSN. And it it, it looked. Do you know what? Do you know what's funny, James? It looked like JSN from college when you saw the way he'd you know grab the ball. He was sharp, turn, assess the field, pick a direction, and go. He was, it was very um, reminiscent of some of the way he, he carried the ball after the catch mm. in college, and it looked just looked like we tapped into his area of expertise with the way we were, you know, approaching targeting him. Did, did you get that feeling too? Yeah, totally. Do you, know, do you know what it is as well with JSN in terms of what he's bringing to the team? He he's saved our screen game, hasn't he? He has revived the screen <laughs> game in Seattle. Yeah. It, it, we've, we've not been able to do it for donkeys for, for my, my it's entire It's quite an achievement, fandom. actually. Yeah, it's it is, quite isn't it, achievement. when you think about that? Yeah. I, from, throughout my entire fandom, I've never seen us run one successful screen. Jason comes along. It's took, it took, a, you know, it took a few weeks, took the early half of the season to ease him in, and now all of a sudden he's just brought back to life Seattle's screen game, and it's fantastic. And I think he had a word in Will Disley's ear as well, because he had a successful screen in that game too. So indeed. there you go, rubbing off on people there. Um, I, <clears throat> I completely agree. I think... Um, <clears throat> there seems to have been a little bit of a um, like a watershed moment for for, for JSN. He, he seems to be over his. Maybe those touchdowns helped. Maybe people started to realise within the organisation that he's he's you know his his strengths lie in a slightly different sort of scenario, and we can put him in those positions on and early downs as well, which was the best thing about that for me. He's forced our hand, doesn't he, in terms of the screen game because that is his skill set. Other than other than him, before him, we haven't really had a, a receiver yeah. that's kind of forced us to use the screens. Like we can use, even even though Doug is a kind of similar build, he was you know a deep shot guy, vertical guy. Didn't really run screens with Doug. Um, so GSN's skill set is like you say, he's the first read. Get his ball, get the ball in his hands, get blockers in front of him, and watch him go with with the way he cuts through the field. Um, like you say, that's exactly what he did at Ohio State with with absolutely lethal lethal efficiency. So he's come in and, and, and kind of I can imagine them saying, look, we have to we have to work a way to, to to get the screens into our playbook because this is that guy, that's his forte. So he's forced our hand in that respect, and thank God he has because he's added an entire new element to our to our playbook. Yeah, and it it's it's a good one as well for um, giving us options on third downs as well. Yeah, because um sometimes on third downs you you want to if, it, if it's third and short in particular 
you certainly like you want to work in um, something where you can get the ball straight, you know, straight out and just get someone to get a few yards after the catch. You know, whether it's in falling forward or or taking on someone one on one in a physical mismatch, you you kind of want to um, uh, get the ball out of hand quick and, and just get get it done. You know, he's perfect for that because he might not only get you those that yard, that two yards, maybe three yards on, on third and short, he could actually turn that into quite a sizable, you know, run with the with the field vision he's got. So good to see him put in those in those positions to succeed and he really maximized it, I thought. Uh one more I want to talk about. Um it's from from the game that is, and that's uh Jerick Reed. I thought I thought he he put another highlight reel uh, special teams tackle um in the books. And um I feel almost at this stage like the quality of his um, his special teams play is keeping some players uh, out of the 53 on match day. We've got a lot of inactives on on match days at the moment, and um, you'd think someone who wasn't playing many snaps uh, on defence or offence would be an obvious candidate to be um, and inactive and yet we keep him around and I can't help but feel that is because of how just how effective he's been on on special teams what's what's your take yeah interesting you're bringing that up um he's he's a continued name that we like to drop in there and 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 like I say this week he's moved I think second now as I'm looking at the the stats he's moved second in the NFL in special teams tackles there's only Brendan Brendan Schooler of the New England Patriots that has more with 11 Jerry Reed has nine um so there's only one more player in the entire NFL that's making more impact players making more tackles on special teams than Jerry Reed so he is becoming what we thought he was going to become and that is our special teams captain like say Nick Ballard probably still officially has that role but it feels like he's kind of passing the baton on to Jarek Reed at this point um, and, and like I say like as I've kept saying with where we've drafted Jarek Reed, if, if that's what we get with it with the upside of potential a guy who can come in on, on sort of you know unique little packages that they want to run he doesn't have to ever be a three down starter for where we drafted him but if you can find your special teams captain of the future if you can find a guy who can fill in a bit like a I was going to say like Ryan Neal but I know Ryan Neal has, has, has proved that he could be star worthy and, and Jerry Reed might as well but just guys like that that can come in surprise you a little bit when he goes on the field goes back to special teams and, and, and becomes the captain uh, we had like you know Nico Thorpe who's a coach who's a coach now never really made that much impact on, on defence in terms of going out there and playing meaningful snaps but was kept around was the special teams captain big locker room guy um, yeah. and, and said, yeah special teams is such a, a valued thing on in, in Pete Carroll's team and, and defence so he, he, he put so much value on it um, so they'll be they'll be absolutely loving Jerry Reed. I was going to say between between um, our kicker our two kickers uh, Dixon and, and Jason Myers and the special teams unit it's probably our most consistent uh, area of our team because offense can't do it for four quarters and defense has been kept out there so long that they're they're absolutely knackered by the end of a game and they've 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 dropped off slightly in their consistency special teams has been an absolute highlight since the very first game of the season so you could make the make the point that being the best being the most consistent or best player on our best unit possibly makes him our mvp <laughs> so you know there you go um and a shout out as well when we're talking special teams and MVPs to Jason Myers, who had an absolutely outstanding week and got special teams player of the week this week in the NFL. So um, further, just to, to punctuate the point about special teams being great, yeah. there's there's a, a big point there for you. 
So section two of our podcast this week on the Rookie Watch, we're going to talk uh, year two focus. Um, usually I'd pick a couple of players to talk about here, but honestly, as I mentioned to you, James, going through this earlier on, um, I looked at every one of our year two players, apart from uh, Ben Melton, who's obviously, I think, still with the Packers. Um, every single one of our players, with Trey Brown included, because he's third year, but missed a year, um, they're all worthy of, of mention in some way. I'm going to mention the first one because there's a bit of a storyline developing that uh, I definitely want to make sure we discuss. But after that, you can pick the the next target for discussion. So I'm going to mention Kobe Bryant. And the reason I mentioned him... That's where I was going to go, so it's fine. (laughs) Okay, good stuff. Well, we weren't going to miss it then. Um, So Kobe Bryant has been... Last week, he was a healthy scratch. And from the way that Pete Carroll put it, this uh, I think it was yesterday evening or the day before when he was asked about Kobe Bryant. Um, he hinted that he was potentially fit to play last week, but uh, sorry, the week before, but was a healthy scratch for the the Ra- for the Ravens as well. And my take on this is is based on opinion only, and there is no there is no statistic backup for this at all, which is not like me. I usually come up with some kind of some kind of stat or figure. But my take is that at the beginning of the season we tried to transition Kobe Bryant into a hybrid nickel defensive back safety box safety, a blitz, a blitz specialist guy. We've we've kind of turned him into a bit of a versatile piece on our defense. And he is currently on a Seahawks roster that is absolutely packed with versatile um, defensive backs uh, and blitz. You know, I mean, we've got we've got Bobby and um, Jordan Brooks consistently thrown into blitz packages, too. So is he a victim of our own decision to turn him into a versatile defensive back now that he's fit and considered not not required? And to, to, to contrast my point. On another roster, if he was coming off in, off injured reserve, and he was that versatile, can play corner, perimeter, nickel, play play free safety, strong safety, you know, potentially be used um, as sort of a pseudo linebacker as well in some blitz packages. If he was on another roster that didn't have versatile backs, would he have been an immediate elevation off injured reserve to be someone that could cover three positions on a depth chart? And is that just not needed on our roster? I think that's exactly the the point of of Kobe Bryant. That's why he would come off because he has got that versatility. He can play inside, he can play outside. Um, So I think that's why he would come off. Like you say, with us, we're just blessed with depth at that position at this moment in time. Like you say, Trey Brown's emergence now has just added to that as well. Um, And you've even got guys that we know that they haven't been playing well, but Pete trusts in guys like Michael Jackson further down the depth chart as well. That's that's there looming large for Kobe Bryant. So it's a really tough, you couldn't really, pick a position in terms of cornerback to, to find a harder way back into the lineup at, with with the Seahawks at this point, could you, with, with Tariq, Devon and all these guys that we've got there, as soon as you start missing time, it, it, it's becoming extremely hard for you, for, for you to get your job back off those guys. Um, I think another yeah. thing worth mentioning is is that sort of trend of that big nickel as well with Jamal Adams. I think you're seeing it a lot. He's not really playing as a strong safety. He's playing more of a big nickel towards the line of scrimmage as, as almost like a third linebacker, um, even though you've just got Bobby and 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 and, uh, and Jordan Brooks as you two in the in the middle. Um, they, they are sort of using this big nickel package with Jamal 
a little bit more as he's starting to get healthy, in my opinion, from what I've seen. I might be wrong, but that's just what I seem to be seeing out there. Um, I'll leave that to the official coach and status to confirm or deny that. Um, and, and the film breakdown is. Um, but from my eye test, that's what I'm seeing, at least. Or that's what I'm yeah. seeing that the plan looks like it's going to be. Um, so, again, that takes away the need for a nickel, a true nickel corner. Um, so I just, I don't, I, I don't know. Corby has never... I've never truly been sold on it. Anyone, any of our longer term listeners will, will will know that. Pez has always been a big Kobe Bryant fan and I am a Kobe Bryant fan as well. But I just, there's something, whether it's his sideline, sideline speed, um, his, 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 his hitting ability, there's something that just screams to me he doesn't fit. A bit like, you know, like an Ugo Amadi, sort of like he's he's in that spot and he just doesn't do enough for to, to be a Pete Carroll corner for someone that Pete Carroll trusts enough. Ugo, I think he's with the Saints now and plays with the Saints and, and still plays meaningful snaps, still plays the Saints every week. But you could just see that, you know, people liked Ugo, but it wasn't it wasn't enough. He just never quite did enough, just never took that that one extra step that that sort of said to everyone, oh, yeah, yeah, OK, we're, we're fine with Ugo. There was always that um and an ah over Ugo. You know, it was split. Half of the fan base liked yeah. him, half the fan base didn't. I'm getting that same vibe with Kobe Bryant and with those kind of guys in a Pete Carroll defence and this one in particular, which has, you know, is, mm. is, is, is rivaling the LOB in terms of the defence that Pete Carroll's had. It, it's going to be so hard, in my opinion, down the road for Kobe Bryant to come back in into this team unless there's injuries at the position, which there might be, and that seems to be his best way back in at this minute. Yeah, well, okay. If I'm if I'm Kobe Bryant, I'm I'm cursing my luck because on any other year, Jamal Adams was injured in the first game, and and yep. he was already back on. He was already in a starting <laughs> meaningful position. But touch wood, um, no injury in sight for Jamal Adams at the moment. I mean, I think this is probably the most football he's played for the Seahawks in a single season. Yeah. Um, I mean, in three years, right? Because the last Pretty two much. seasons have been a write-off. So, <laughs> yeah. so you know, everything from here on out is a bonus, right? Because he's 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 done done more, and let's not forget that he's earning a a, a large wedge of our um, salary cap. So it's great to have him out on the field, and I do feel like he's he's made a big contribution. So should Kobe come in, into the roster, hopefully it's not at the cost of Jamal Adams and and you know and whatnot. So. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about another one now. Um, this one would be your choice. So is there a player in particular you want to bring up from the class? Obviously, uh, my eyes are immediately drawn to Boye Mafia, but we've spoken so much on Boye, yeah. e- even in, in the main pod. So special I, I mention, though, is fine. <laughs> special mention, is fine. Yeah, I suppose he's done enough to, to warrant another special mention, as <laughs> with, with breaking the sack record. Pretty amazing. Yes. Um, so yes, obviously he deserves all the praise and as much praise as we can possibly give Boye. Um, Tariq's an interesting one in terms yep. of not starting the season, as like I said a little bit before the Tariq Wollen effect, not starting the season as as, as kind of not see it, this is the this is the weird way of putting it. Has he started the season as well in terms of all right? He might not be getting interceptions, but again, if you were to look at the QB rating allowed, passer rating allowed, it's probably about level as what it was last season. So in terms of playing his receivers, playing the quarterback, he's probably playing just as well. It's just he's not been getting these interceptions. Those have been falling to other people. Uh, obviously, Devin Witherspoon is another big mouth to feed in terms of the interceptions. He's going to suck up quite a few of Tariq's interceptions as well. Um, and obviously, teams have been wanting to test out this new rookie, Devin Witherspoon. They know what they're going to get with Tariq. Mm-hmm. Test out Devin. They've quickly found out that that's a bit of a shit way to go yeah. as well. Um, but but that he's, he's, he's fell foul of that as well. Um, 
but you, you kind of seeing it. People are going, oh, is Tariq a little bit of a, you know, was it a bit of a one-season wonder? Um, I don't think it is. I, I just think he's not he's not getting the inception in his hands anymore. But I think he's playing technique-wise just as well as he's ever played. Yeah, well, his stats in the in the last game were, um, I think it was six targets, two two catches allowed for six yards. You know, they every time they've thrown at him, the teams have gained an average of one yard. That's, Ridiculous. That's. I mean that's great. So, so in essence, they targeted him half the amount, you know, half the amount of, of other players, and got no change out of him. No. That's fine. I mean, shut down corners. I mean, it might be generous calling him a shut down corner after after one one and a half seasons. But essentially, you are a shut down corner if people don't want to throw you away. Um, so, yeah, as shut down corners go, um, he's seen he's seen. Um, the amount of targets that are sort of par for the course once you um, once you get that kind of status of not being targetable. The, the one thing that I will say about Kobe Bryant is that teams are tending to screen uh, players his direction because his lack of physicality in one-on-one scenarios and his his arm tackling and lack of physicality uh, and technique in, in tackles after the ball's been catched does find him slightly lacking. It's a clear element of his game that, that needs work. And when the ball does get um, get some action on his side, it, is, it tends to be in scenarios where people have worked him out a little bit. So I think the areas of his game that, that, that need work have been highlighted by where teams have targeted. Mm. And I think when he has been targeted through the air, he's shown that he's still got um, that, that yeah. length and speed advantage that he always had. Do you know what it is? It seems like with with receivers, when he cut, you sort you sort of see him behind the receiver. That the, the receiver turns his back, catches a quick slant or a quick out route. When Tariq comes down and hits a receiver from the back and wraps him up, he seems to handle those tackles pretty well. I don't really see him breaking, you know, receivers breaking tackles on him. It's more the running back, isn't it? When they're coming downhill, going with a shoulder a bit, trying too much to punch the ball out instead of wrapping up. Well, that's a confidence thing. Whether it's a nerves thing, I don't really know. Obviously, he's not a big. He's a bit like Devin. He's a bit of a you know, it's not a big, big physical corner. Um, in ter- obviously, he is height-wise, but sort of strength-wise and muscles-wise, he's not a, you know, he's not a ridiculously over, you know, overbearing athlete at the corner position. Uh, he's just got the size, hasn't he, and the speed. So whether he sees these big running backs coming downhill and thinks, oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll just try and go for the football instead of trying to wrap him up, or just he, chip him and let someone just else chip him, it off. you know, hope yeah. Jamal's behind or Diggs, who will just go and hit anything that moves. Um, Whereas, but receivers, I think, I think he tackles and plays the receivers quite well. It's just the running back. So you know, you know Pete Carroll and, and stuff and, and and everyone. That is the hyper focus of, that, of this defense and, and miss tackles, miss tackles, miss tackles. We're saying it every week. Um, so I have no doubt that they'll be working with him on it. Just saying, look, if you don't want to wrap up and tackle them, at least let's find a better way of, of you trying to tackle them. Um, yeah. So it, I, I think it'll improve. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, he, we we expect a lot from him just because of the way he started out. And I think yeah. um, he's still way, way, way ahead of the the trajectory oh. that we set out for him as a, a fifth year, uh, sorry, a, a fifth round uh, yeah. cornerback. Um, to be honest, if we got the level out of him that we're getting this year um, consistently for the next five, six years, he'd still be on this roster as a starting corner. Absolutely. So you know, so any any improvement on his game from here is just you know it's. We're spoiled, to be honest. Um, I'm going to mention Lucas, Abraham Lucas, because um, big news there this week that he is uh, back practicing this week. It is magical news. Um, I'm really pleased with it. I think everyone benefits from this. 
Um, the tight ends that have been glued to the hip of a backup tackle this week will be slightly further up the field blocking so that um, Ken can rip off a few more yards when, when bouncing out wide. I think Ken will benefit from from um, some better space to utilise. Uh, JSN will... will um, see more field without you know so many uh, 12 and 13 personnel sets i i think when we have got those 12 and 13 personnel sets on on field they'll be utilized more as you know uh, actual weapons mm. just uh, honestly one one player you wouldn't think uh, would have so much of an impact but genuinely when you can leave your tackle on an island and back him to do his job independently against good quality opposition Every, you get an extra 10 to 20% out of a lot of players and that really does mount up. So um, very pleased to see him back. What's, what, I'm assuming you agree oh, with yeah. all the nodding? Yeah, totally. Like I say, uh, let, let's yeah. remind everyone that in a, a lot of people's opinions, this was our best offensive rookie tackle last year. I think he had a better year than even Charles Cross did and Charles Cross was excellent. Um, so it, 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 it just me and, and look fair play to Storm Forsyth he, he, he's, he's stood in we've won games with him at right tackle let's let's tip our hat a little bit he hasn't been amazing but he's filled in at a position that isn't his natural one and he's a you know he's not an amazing football offensive tackle anyway is he he's not a he's not your starter even as a left tackle in his natural position he's, he's more of a career backup kind of guy so fair play to him he's stood in and we've won football games with him in there but the level of improvement that we are going to get at that right tackle position with Abraham Luke's come back like you just said it benefits everyone Gino all the receivers more I didn't time. even mention Gino but Gino as yeah. much as anyone more yeah. time to throw in that pocket um, against some big defensive lines big front sevens coming up more time to throw in that pocket um, it is just going to hopefully hopefully take this offence to the next level that we've been waiting and been frustratingly avoided of so far this season. It, since it, week one. Since week, week one, one. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully that's going to open the offence back up to, to more improvement yeah, no, I think so. I think so too. Absolutely, love that. Um, so, Derek Young also um, likely to to be uh, fit, whether he's active or not on game day, we don't know. Um, don't need to dwell on that one too much. Nothing to talk about game wise because he's not played a snap this year outside of preseason. Uh, and we'll quickly touch on Trey Brown, who is a guy that I'm really falling in love with on our roster because I love I love it when. Um, when a, a lower draft pick, you know, starts to really get meaningful snaps and, and a proper role on the roster, because as soon as that happens, you tend to know that they've 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 almost um, out delivered. That you know they've more than returned on their, the investment in them. And um, I feel like like Trey Brown's really enjoying his football. He's making impactful plays, making big plays, and um, he's playing with a smile on his face. And after the injuries he's had. I'm very, very pleased for him. It's a really good feel, feel good factor on our roster. Yeah. All right. I, I love Trey Brown. I, I, lo I love these guys that just have, have for whatever reason, have, have time away, injuries, coaching, times on the side on, on, in terms of being benched or whatever, and come back and, 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 and just light it up. And, and it's just, it's just been a, like you said, we've just, we're just so spoiled on this, on this cut in this cornerback room. The fact that you've got, you know, Trey Brown, he doesn't get the headlines. Devin Witherspoon gets all the headlines. Tariq gets all the headlines, and rightfully so. And Trey Brown comes back after a long layoff and just says, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good as well. I'm, I'm, a, I'm another corner. I'm still here. I'm pretty damn good at football as well. Getting tackles. Five, I think it was, what, five solo tackles, one assist from the from the, from the the commander's game, only, only bettered by Bobby Wagner, which is ridiculous. Um, it's just... I, I love guys like that that just, you know, they, they don't take... He could have quite easily kind of, 
you know, felt sorry for himself, beating himself up, you know, not come back in the right mindset. But he's come back in the right mindset, fully healthy, and is making football plays. Brilliant. Yeah, love it. It's, it does feel good. And you made me laugh there when you said uh, about him having like Bobby Wagner esque stats with the amount of tackles. Oh. I feel I, I almost feel like teams, um, you know, they've been targeting uh, Spoon and they've been targeting Reek, and then the backup comes on. Oh, we can target this guy. And, oh no, he's taken no. out to the house. Oh no, nailing our wide receivers. And just I love the fact that we can mix it up, swap players in, sit someone down, let them sit out for a few snaps, and the guy that comes in is headhunting immediately. It's, yeah. it's, that is fantastic. So couldn't ask for more than that, in my opinion. Um, that's three That's three outstanding uh, corners, and none of them has more than a season and a half's experience in the NFL, um, which is bonkers. You'd think that there'd at least be one veteran corner in there sort of stabilising the ship and keeping balance, but... All th- it speaks to all three of them in terms of their um, their mental side of the game that they're able to to operate at this level without that experience at this level. I think that's that, for all three of them. That's um, quite a standout thing. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, so we're gonna before we move on to our little fun redraft that we'll finish the pod with. I'm just very gonna very quickly gonna touch on Draymond Jones because. Uh, whilst I'd appreciate he is not uh, in any way, shape or form a rookie or a second year player, I do feel like um, some of the adaptations of with our roster and Draymond Jones over the last uh, week or so will affect some of our, our rookies and second year players. And by, by this, I mean that moving Draymond Jones to uh, the outside linebacker on the right, where Nwosu had previously been playing, um, this... Is a really it's a really interesting adaptation because whilst whilst he clearly can play um, as a right defensive end in a four three, which he's done before, which is possibly why we're using him as a an outside linebacker on the, on the right of our our defense. Um, it's not something I saw coming, and I think we were using him as a big end like we used to use Red Bryant uh, right on the end of that line, and we've we've had. Um, players like Puna Ford that have played outside as a defensive end, and we've had Jaron Reed play as a bigger end. We've had Benson Mayoa play as a larger defensive end, on, and with the intention of crushing the pocket from one side and flushing wide receivers, not wide receivers, sorry, running backs and quarterbacks out to the other side, where we've got a uh, edge rushing outside linebacker preying on whatever sort of flees the, you know, the the pocket. Um, so I feel like there might be an aim to kind of push the play towards Maffei. Um, also, we had teams sort of choosing to run at Daryl Taylor when he was on that side um, and putting a big defensive end on one side and, and uh, Maffei on the other really does dry up those sort of um, bouncing outside options, I think. Mm. Um, the real reason I'm mentioning it is that potentially with, with him moving to the outside, um, players like... Um, Jaron Reed might well be playing more defensive end as three tech. We might see more snaps there for Cameron Young. Um, Derek Hall, who had been playing starting snaps on the right edge, would now be going back to his usual 20% of snaps in rotation. Um, so Jerick Hall potentially and, and Cameron Young may may see uh, changes to their snaps because of this move. What, what, what's your take on it? 
Yeah, I think uh, it, it, a lot of it boils down to the other move for Leonard Williams as well. That when you think yeah, of there is so much congestion in that interior of the defensive line in terms of mouths to feed, snaps to get people out there. Leonard Williams wants to be a three down guy. Jaron Reed wants to be a three down guy. Draymond Jones wants to be a three down guy. Um, and, and you just can't realistically give three down roles to all three of those guys on the same line at the same time. So you just can't do it. So they've probably looked at, you know, you know what, Draymond had a slightly kind of, you know, quiet start to his Seattle Seahawks career. They obviously feel like he's got the the physical traits to be able to cover in in, in an outside outside linebacker position, similar to kind of build to like a KJ right, not a quick guy, not slow, but not a quick guy. He's not like a Nawasu fast outside linebacker, not like a boy in Mafia or anyone like that. Um, but he's 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 not a slouch. He's a big guy. He probably defends the run pretty well. Um, and it might just open. It's a bit like sort of it, both figuratively and literally taking a little bit of a step back, taking sort of dream on out of that kind of madness that is the line of scrimmage in it and you know you don't really have sort of you know the the division is very limited you're just trying to see ball get ball get to the quarterback Draymond Jones all of a sudden gets a bit more daylight gets to see the play sort of develop in front of his eyes a little bit maybe it improves his IQ a little bit in terms of what he's seeing learning this Seahawks defense so he can actually sort of stand off it and see what the defensive line is doing a little bit more now that he's not sort of in there just you know hacking it up with with all the other yeah. guys learn the technique a little bit more learn his players about uh, a little bit more um but but mainly it's about you know throwing Leonard Williams in there as well you've got to you've got to feed him you've got to feed this guy and they're just trying to sort of not oversaturate not over egg the interior defensive lines put in and just said you know what Draymond you come out a little bit let's get let's give these guys a bit of room to breathe on the interior of the d-line we feel you can play this position as well we've had an injury there we could do with maybe an extra body you could play that position as well and 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 that's what they're doing. So um, I think you can make cases for for technique and just pure pure mouths to feed and and and, and congestion in that interior D line for me. So yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah, I, yeah, it is really interesting. There's a lot of angles to come at it from. And before we move on from this, having mentioned it, I'm I'm just going to point out um, the the difference this makes from the opposition's perspective. Because if you're lining up uh, Daryl Taylor, who's going to try and beat you with speed, and then Derek Hall is going to beat you with speed. Uh, you know, you 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 give them. Granted, guys who have who rely on different different uh, different ways of bursting off the line. With you know, they open with different moves. They you know, they they gesture different ways and stunt different ways. But but um, Draymond Jones is going to beat you with 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 the ball rush occasionally. He's going to stunt inside, taking the the shortest possible routes and and trying to drag you inside with him. You know, through the gaps and. And that's different to what he's going to get against the other guys. So there's something to be said for rather than going, okay, we'll rotate fresh guys that are similar to going. Most of the snaps are going to go to to, to a guy who's going to beat you in power, and then we, when when the tackle's tired, we're going to give him a different nightmare and send out the speed. You know that there's a lot to be said, I think, for um, for keeping keeping tackles guessing. What do you think? Yeah, 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 totally. Um, it it it's it's. Like say similar skill sets and 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 not you know becoming a bit too one dimensional at times maybe mm. they're, they're perhaps worried about being that and, and and just again you know I mean this this team I think we're fifth in in sacks I think we've got thirty which is I can't remember the last time it's probably those Legion of Boom days where the Seahawks were leading the the league in in sacks or at least in the top five so the production that we're getting there is 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 immense anyway um, 
and, and that hasn't really been coming from Draymond Jones anyway. It, it would seem stupid to move a Jaron Reed. He's or, had three or two and, two and a half or three. Two, seven three. Games. Half, so half, under half a sack a game. Yeah. You know, so so it's, it's not been lighting up the world in it, that respect. Yeah, so it feels like there's bigger producers of those sacks there. So they're probably looking at like who's the who's the one we could afford to move in that kind of sense. So it it, it would be Draymond in, in terms of not losing that sack production. And and listen, it might it might open him up to more sacks. As, as an, he, might, he might sort of evolve into a, a different kind of player, a different monster at the outside linebacker position. So Pete Carroll doesn't just do things for when it was oh, six. No. We're a six and three team. His, his defense is excellent. He's not going to risk that by making a stupid move if he doesn't feel there's there's you know merit to it and there's and there's credence to it. So let let's see what he's cooking. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it's a nice plan. We've seen it from him before with the big end, and um, and I can see exactly why they're. Well, they're sort of playing around with that, and it looks. It, it was actually one of his games, uh, probably his his most uh, and da- announced game. He he seemed to be um, on the commentators' lips a bit more, and maybe that's more what you get when you come off the edge. Maybe you're a bit flashier um, when you you're coming off the end rather than being in a melee in the middle. But um, mm. he certainly got a bit more love from from uh, from the announcers in the game. Uh, so we'll move on now to section three. So we'll have a little bit of fun here. Um, some hypothetical scenarios. Um, anyone who's listened to the um, the, the recent uh, WikiWatch podcast, we, we have addressed um, our most recent draft class and taken a look at who was taken immediately after those players. So we can hypothetically say, uh, with our season as it's gone so far, would we have preferred uh, one of the guys that were drafted after our player? So the first one we're going to talk about is Zach Charbonnet, who was taken with the 21st um, pick in the second round, so the 50 sec- 52nd overall? It's 52nd overall, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 52nd overall uh, out of UCLA. And following his selection to the Seahawks, the Bears took... Uh, Jovan Dexter, defensive tackle, Florida. Uh, the Chargers took Tuli Tupelotu, um, outside linebacker from USC. Rashid Rice went to the, the Chiefs from SMU, uh, wide receiver. Tariq Stevenson went to the Bears from Miami, cornerback. John Michael Schmidt, who was a guy that we were very high on um, pre in the pre-draft process, from Minnesota, centre. I think he was um, first center off the board, wasn't he? So he was center yeah. one in this draft. Um, Luke Shoemaker, tight end Michigan, who I think was tight end number four off the board, I think. Dalton Kincaid went before him. Um, there was quite a few, actually, wasn't there? There was um, the lad who ended up at the Lions, is what I feel like the lad who went to the Lions. Yeah. Forget forget the name, but he's made a real splash. Um, and then uh, Osiris Torrance as well, Florida uh, offensive guard. So would you... If you could have it back, would you potentially take any of those over Zach Charbonnet with the way our season's gone, with that context? So, so hard, this one. Um, Javon Dexter, I'm going to say no because of our interior defensive line player anyway. Um, I, yeah. I like I like the player, but I, I think, again, like we just talked about, he would just be over-egging an already perfect pudding anyway. And you've drafted Cameron Young and, and, and a few guys, Mike Morris as well, who's been injured as well. So so they address the, 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 the interior of the defensive line. So I'm not going to go there. Um, Rasheed Rice, interesting player. Don't really need him. Again, GSN. 
um, and, and and the receiving room that we've got is is excellent anyway. And he hasn't really taken on the wide receiver one role that's wide open in Kansas City like I thought he would. Um, he's probably the de facto wide receiver one, but it doesn't feel like he's a he's a wide receiver one player at this stage in his career. Um, Tyreek Stevenson don't need uh, just being no. just being straight up don't need um, Luke Schoonmaker tight end again. A don't need B don't value the position, um, and then and then comes the three names that that do catch my eye: Osiris Torrance, uh, John Michael Schmitz, and Tuli Tuli Tui That's that is quite a, a, a difficult surname to pronounce. I hope I'm not butchering that. Um, so I'll just call him Tully for 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 my benefit. Um, sure. Tully, I think it's only Byron Young in terms of rookies that have had more sacks than he has. Tilly's got about four, and I think Byron Young has five. Um, so another pivot back to why Abraham Lucas coming back this week is potentially so important. You're, you're going to mm-hmm. going to go up against a very good young pass rusher in Byron Young. Uh, but obviously, he wasn't taken anywhere around this stage. Um, so Tui Polotu, a four-sack guy, an outside linebacker, where we've had an injury in Uchen and Nwosu, uh, to add another true outside linebacker there would be a it'd be a big big value to us at this moment in time John Michael Schmitz his start hasn't really got off the ground had a few injuries with his shoulder um also the New York Giants offensive line in and an offense and and team in general I don't know why I'm getting specifically the New York Giants in general <laughs> are a dumpster fire dumpster fire is the word Absolutely. I was going to use dumpster as well fire. Um, yeah so it, it he hasn't really stood out or done anything yet but I do like the player but then I think well do you know what Evan Brown's been excellent for us at centre this year anyway yes he's only on a one-year contract but you'd have to presume that the Seahawks would be interested in, in extending him for for a year or two further so you potentially got your centre there in Evan Brown for the next few years anyway um, so I don't think I'd swap him for John Michael Schmitz at this moment in time even though centre is is still a need going forward in in the next few years so then it comes down to Tui Pelotu and Os- Osiris Torrance. Now, Osiris Torrance is a really interesting one. I was banging the table, banging the drum for Osiris Torrance to become a CLCO in the pre-draft process. Anyone who's in our Discord or listening to these, uh, you know, the pre-draft process that we did, uh, I was a big, big advocate for Osiris Torrance. And I-, I think he has played well in his rookie season so far. He's played 640, say that again, 646 snaps Um for the Bills, yep, as I remember way with the Buffalo Bills, um, who have also had, had their kind of wars on, on offense at this moment in time. But I don't think that's been down to Osiris Torrance because on those 646 snaps, he's, he's allowed just one sack. Um, now, he has had five penalties, which is, is to, to be expected with a, with a rookie. You see it with a lot of rookie linemen anyway. Um, and with the way the NFL is played nowadays, it's incredibly hard not to draw holding penalties in, as an offensive line player. Um, but 646 snaps and just one sack allowed is 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 pretty excellent. And I was absolutely shocked that he, that he'd fallen in, into the second round. Um, I thought he was a, he was a lock to go round one. I was more than happy for the Seahawks to take him at 20. He actually, like I said, I had him mocked at the Seahawks to 20. Um, so this is so tough because I love Zach, and again another one I was a big advocate for, and he. This one-two punch that we've got with Zach is so important to our offense. So even though he's not like lit, you know, you know, pulled up any trees or, or or sort of, you know, shone yet, I think he will in the future. And I think this one-two punch is is so valuable. Um, I'm going around in a lot of circles here in delaying because I don't know what to say. Um, I don't know whether to axe him or not. I'd feel I'd feel like such a knob, and I'd feel like I'd, I've just 
backstabbed Zach after banging the table for him all this time. So, oh yeah, I'll just swap him for. But man, I think a, a guard of Osiris Torrance's standard. When I look at our guards, that is the weak point. I do like well, Bradford. I'll ask you this question then: with, with with you being in this difficult spot, do you think that we get the same or more quality out of Ken Walker this year and DJ Dallas as the backup? number two, because let's not forget that, that McIntosh hasn't been uh, fit to play. So would you get the same production from Ken and Dallas if Osiris Torrance had been a starting guard in our offensive line this year? Would that have been a difference? 100%. 100%. If they're running behind <laughs> Osiris Torrance, okay. 100%. Um, I, I think you might be right too. But then I, I want to take. I want. I'd love to add to Ipaloto as well because of the injury. But then you can't. You can't foresee the Nwosu injury, can you? Um, For context, to Ipaloto currently top five or top six um, statistically. Sorry, not statistically. Top six favourite for defensive rookie of the year. I think he's stop, in the top. Stop making it harder for myself. <laughs> stop making well, this it one, harder. This one's far harder than the next one. So we've got a bit of time to spend on this one. But um, do you know what? You know it's hard for me as well. I'm not sure. I, I just haven't decided either. I'm not sure, but I'm gonna I'm gonna come to a decision because the listeners will be screaming. Just say a fuck. Just make a fucking call, will you? Sitting there on the, you know, so I'm gonna make a call. Yeah. Uh, in terms of with, like you say, you you brought up another name there, which I forgot. Kenny McIntosh. Um, so they're taking another running back, and I'm just gonna look at this, and I'm sorry, Zach, but for the sake of building a team and building a winning football team. The smart move, I love Zach Charbonnet, I love what he could become, but he is RB2. You have got McIntosh coming back that would soften the blow of losing Charbonnet, um, and he might be an excellent young running back as well. You know, He's, he's a dual national championship winner at, at, at Georgia. He's obviously very talented, surprised he, he dropped around seven, so he's got something about him. You've got DJ. Um, the value of adding a, a true offensive guard, starting offensive guard in Osiris Torrance, would outweigh the positives of keeping Zach. Would make it would make our team better than having Zach at this moment in time. So I think I, I would go to like I said I would go to Lee, but I, you can't you can't foresee the injury of Nwosu, so I'm not going to. But Osiris Torrance, he plugs in and, and is our, is our best guard straight away. Um, massive upgrade, um, and then you can develop Anthony Bradford next to him as well. Um, so do you know what I'm going to have to do? And Damian Lewis contract year two. Contract year two is very inconsistent as well. I'm not a massive D-Lou fan. I'll hold my hands up. Um, So, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to have to. I like it. So, I mean, looking at the way we we did our redraft last time, we took um, the tackle slash guard out of Northwestern, Skoronsky, over JSN. So there's a a growing theme here that James just wants a guard in his team. So maybe maybe oh. we're going to see some deja vu here as well. But so the next pick we're going to talk about this is this is the last one we're going to talk about this week. But um, Anthony Bradford, we took a guard out of LSU who, by all accounts, has shown a far higher ceiling than a lot of us anticipated this year. With really kind of excelling when he's been relied on to start. So after him, um, after we took uh, Anthony Bradford uh, with the 108th overall out of LSU. Uh, Dylan Horton, defensive end from TCU, came off the board. Adi Adebaware, who was a big uh, focus of our pre-draft process, we really thought that he would become uh, either a three-tech defensive end in our system or, um, you know, someone that played on the edge for us uh, out of Northwestern. Um, 
who went to the Colts, Darwin Jones, who went to the Browns, tackle, Chad Ryland uh, from Maryland. Um, you had Clark Phillips as well, Utah cornerback, Chandler Zavala, who a lot of people were really high on, who went to the Panthers, offensive guard, and Roshan Johnson, another tar- another person we talked extensively about in the pre-draft process, who plays running back now for um, the Bears out of Texas. Thoughts? Yeah, this one is a piece of piss. Uh, the, the other one was very hard. This one is a piece of piss, in my opinion. I am keeping Anthony Bradford all day long. Uh, I'll quickly explain why. Dylan Horton hasn't really played. Very rotational guy. No sacks on the season yet, uh, as I'm aware. So a very, very rotational guy. Um, hasn't hasn't developed into a full-time starter on, on that Houston defence yet. Um, so he doesn't look like... Uh, sort of anything special at this point it's hard to judge but that's 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 what we've got we can to go only off. use the context that we've got yeah we can only use the context Addy Addy uh, as, as, as he's preferred um, or as we prefer to call him anyway I don't know whether he prefers that um, Addy Addy for, for our sake um, yeah big, big guy in our pre-draft process another one who I mean the Colts defence is very good Colts D-line very good um, so it is a crowded room a bit like ours similar kind of situation um, similar kind of situation I know different positions but a bit like a Cam Young um, even like a Derek Hall he's finding himself in that similar situation yet just waiting to break through waiting for potentially an injury ahead of him to break through but at this point Again, just the rotational piece hasn't done anything. So not for me. Um, and like I say, the, the pass rushes we've got this year anyway, fantastic. Um, Darwin Jones, very good offensive tackle for the for the Cleveland Browns. We've seen that. Uh, I think he's probably the, the the best player on this list that we've got to pick from, uh, or at least who's, who's made the best start to their, to their rookie class. But like I say, you can't foresee the injury to Abraham Lucas. And even, even so, we're still at the end of it, come out of it six and three and got Abraham Lucas coming back. So I'm not swapping him for Abraham Lucas or Charles Cross. Um, so, and he hasn't really played guard or anything like that. So if he could, if there was that multi-position versatility, I'd say, do you know what? I'd take him as a guard, um, but he seems to be specifically an offensive tackle at this spot. Um, so I'm going to say no there. Chad Ryland's a kicker and we've played Jason Myers ridiculous money to kick our footballs and he's doing it pretty well this season. So we don't need Chad Ryland. And to be honest, Chad is a really douchey near like I, I don't want to chat on my team um Clark, okay. fair Clark, enough good point yeah fair enough that's all right. he might be a hall of fame kicker uh, but i don't care uh clark phillips the third um special teams guy similar to a Jarek reed but is probably going to get a start at some point soon uh, for the falcons they have got a few injuries at cornerback position and i think arthur smith has alluded this week that he potentially will come in and start for the falcons this week so he's potentially a, a nice young player but again, as, as we've talked about so much, as any Seahawks fan will know and non-Seahawks fan will know, uh, we're pretty okay at the cornerback position, so I'm not going to take Clark Phillips. Chandler Zavala has been absolute piss poor. Uh, he has been horrendous so far through his rookie season. He did have that neck injury uh, where he was carted off that scary neck injury. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's probably contributed to it as well. But he is fine now. Um, but... And then we know this pro football fork, it's not everything, uh, but PFF, Zavala has allowed 27 pressures, which is the second most on the team. And they have also given Zavala a 9.6 pass blocking grade, which is the second yes. lowest in their entire database for the season. Um, so with, with all due respect, I think if Zavala was on our offensive line so far this season, I think Gina would have been killed by now. Um, and <laughs> yes. Roshan Johnson, um, yeah, again, a, a decent little running back, but we don't 
We don't need running back. We've invested in Zach. We've got Kenny McIntosh coming back. We've got DJ and we've got Ken. Our running back room is fine. Um, so I don't see a need for Roshan Johnson at all. And like we said, I quite like Anthony Bradford when he's been given his chance. Very good run defender, improving in pass pro. Um, seeing a lot of positive things about him so far when he's coming and playing. You're not hearing his name called. You're hearing Damian Lewis getting called for fucking holding calls every single game, hearing other offensive linemen getting called. Anthony Bradford's not getting called when he's in the game. He's doing nothing wrong, keeping his head down, improving. I think that's a really smart young guy they've got there in Anthony Bradford. So, I, I And like I said, I think that's one of our biggest positions of need, arguably our biggest position of need outside of a, a few others um, in terms of building the team. So, Anthony Bradford, your job as a Seattle Seahawks is safe. Very good, very good, mate. So to, to summarise from from the five positions that we've we've discussed so far over the, the this pod and the previous ones, we've talked about five different players: uh, Witherspoon, JSN, um, Derek Hall, Zach Charbonnet, and Anthony Bradford. Of which James would only have switched two players for one other option in the subsequent picks. That was uh, JSN. He potentially swap for Peter Skronsky. And Zach Charbonnet, he would potentially swap for Osiris Torrance, both occasions sacrificing a skill position player for enhancing our offensive line. And that, I think, is an understandable. Um, I think it point. was specifically understandable in the context of when we did that JSM one as well, hasn't he? Because he yeah, that's true. Because yeah. we look, the context of picking them, uh, you know, with our season as it was, yep. we were battered on the offensive line at that point. And, yep. Okay, well, with, with, you've made, you've quickly made that little uh, bit of small print up there and thrown that in. Do you still feel the same if we were doing uh, the same podcast now? Oh, you know. um, <laughs> would you still be swapping Skaronski? Because I, you said that like to defend yourself, but I'm not convinced that you would, you wouldn't still make the same call. It's so it would still be so hard. Our offensive line's looking healthier, and JSN's been more involved. So I feel like both parameters have widened a little bit. Do do you still... But Skaronski still has that versatility of being able to play every position on the line. So he still brings something that we don't have in in terms of a high-quality, versatile piece. So there is still appeal. I I, understand. I'd probably still have to go with Skaronski, just using my head, building a team, as much as we love JSN, as much as JSN is starting to come into the team now and find his role, I think... If you could find a true elite, which I think Skronsky is and will become an elite interior yes. offensive lineman, yes. um, I think you're seeing so many years now. I mean, look at the receivers coming out next year. You could find, or it might not be as elite as JSN, but would be darn near close if you took one of the first five or six receivers because there's some elite names in there. Um, if you took a Romo Dunze, a Jalen Polk or whatever, they would do pretty much just as well a job as JSN has done so far in terms of receiving yards, catching the ball. Like they're excellent elite receivers as well. So I'm like, the the, the what I mean is the gap between them and JSN would not be the same as the gap between who we've got now and Peter Skronsky if you added him into the offensive line. So I'd still tentatively put forward my claim of, of swapping Skronsky for JSN, but it's incredibly tough. Yeah, it is tough. I think it's a harder decision to make now than it was then, but I still think it's the sensible move rather than any... There's not an awful lot of emotion attached to that. That is just a, a fairly um, sensible thing to say. So maybe maybe when we do... Well, I'll give it another couple of weeks, maybe after um, 
the 49ers uh, first game. We'll do another one, and uh, I'll ask, I'll ask, you know, check in on your your. Oh yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. If he scores a touchdown, <laughs> beats the Eagles, flips the bird, all that, I'm. I'm well, there might be it. some emotional attachment if yeah. he has a, a really big, memorable Seahawks moment, but also um, if the offensive line, you know, gains gains a you know a pretty substantial amount of health and is our first choice offensive lines out there, you might change. Change in tune, but I can't say I disagree with any of your decisions anyway. So a bit of fun there. Um, I'm looking forward to getting to the end of the season and, and looking at what um, James's uh, improved um, 2023 draft looks like uh, when we've got all this in the book. So that concludes Rookie Watch this week. It's been a lot of fun, James. Thank you for coming on. Um, make sure you come and follow us on uh, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Um, come and join our Discord. We've got a nice community in there. Uh, lots of Seahawks fans. Uh, we're not we're not big on shooting each other down. It's a free free forum to, to voice your take, and we'll discuss it. Uh, we talk about the draft. We talk about the game. We talk about the game while it's playing. Uh, we talk about every anything Seahawks, uh, fantasy, anything you like to talk about regarding our Seahawks with our game to talk. So come and join us. Um, and for this week, that is uh, all we got. So I'm going to say go Hawks. Go Hawks. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>